0: Living the Word Today.
1: So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what He wants to say to us.
0: LivingTheWordToday.com. Look,
1: the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living.
0: Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word.
1: focus on those things. You know, we spend a lot of, we invest a lot of energy and a lot of money in our, our physical health as well we should. You know, if you're sick, you go to the doctor. If you're in an emergency, you call for help. Uh, we do those things to try to stay physically fit or nutrition and all that sort of thing. We do, some, do a lot of things to ensure our mental health, that we're, that we're healthy mentally and emotionally, and that's, that's all, all good stuff. But we also need to invest primarily in our spiritual health because it will affect those others as well. So I just want to pick out a few subjects, and I picked out a few subjects that it's just going to help us live a spiritually healthy life. Last time we talked about being in the Word of God. And that is a must. That's not an option. That's not something that just is sort of an add-on to the Christian life. It is absolutely crucial, vital. It's, it's, not, it's not negotiable. We've got to be in the Word of God. And thank you for giving your time this morning to meet with me, and we can have a little discussion around the Word of God today. I want to direct your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And there's a phrase that appears twice in this text that I want you to enjoy this morning. And I just want to read it, and there's not going to be a whole lot on the screen this morning. I have a few verses put up there, but uh, I just want you to get in this mood, in this mode, okay? We're sitting around the table. You got your Bible open, I've got my Bible open, and we're just going to have a conversation about some really good stuff that if we focus on it, that if we give ourselves to it, it's going to help us to refocus and reset and help us to live a really spiritually healthy life. In verse 12 of chapter 6, 1 Timothy, By the way, Timothy is Paul's protégé. He has been a mentor to Timothy. Timothy is younger than him. And when you come to 1 Timothy, particularly into 2 Timothy, you realize that it is very near the end of Paul's life. So he's really in the process of handing off to the generation spiritually in ministry that will follow him. He's given these—it's sort of like this last set of instructions, this last set. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to watch out for. And in the midst of that, if you go to verse 12, I know we're jumping in the middle, but I just want to pick out one phrase. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now go down to verse 19. Now this is what he's to be teaching others. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Did you see the phrase that repeats in 12 and 19? It's this phrase that he tells us, and I'll go back to verse 12, where he simply says this, that you should lay hold on eternal life. That's what I want to share with you this morning. Lay hold on eternal life. Uh, That's uh, just a short burst of words, five words. I think we can remember it. And uh, if we uh, plug into the Word of God, it's going to help us understand it. Now, if you look at those five words, lay hold of eternal life. The one word that jumps out to me that makes this different than anything else in any other mode of conversation is simply the word eternal. There's not much that you and I mix it up with on this world that is eternal. And I just want to take a few moments and just focus on this concept of eternality, okay? And there's a very interesting verse that's found in the, you don't need to turn there unless you just want to, You're, you're, you're free, I'm not going to dictate to you. But if you want to, I'm going to put it on the screen. Ecclesiastes 3.11. And this is Solomon in all of his wisdom writing. He says this, speaking of God, he has made everything beautiful in his time. In its time. And this next phrase, also he has put eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So there's part of this that's a mystery. That's what the last phrase is. You can't quite figure this out. You can't quite get it all figured out, but you need to know that it is true. And he says this, when he created mankind, he set, he basically mortared in into the structure of our being, something of eternality. Do you understand that every human being that has ever been conceived, whether that be us or children that we have fathered or been the mother to, that that person conceived, thusly conceived, will exist for all eternity. That person will not cease to exist. Now, I understand there is a destination involved And whether that person spends it in eternal death or eternal life depends on what they do with Jesus Christ. That's why we make a big deal out of coming to know Jesus Christ because this is important. This is critical. Much longer than life. So when we who were made in the image of God, part of that image is we are going to exist forever somewhere. And if you're going to a destination that you're going to spend a long time at eternity, you better be prepared for it. And that's why we are doing what we're doing. But also embedded in us is this desire, this somehow awareness, this some sort of longing, yearning, wonder about eternality. There has been no culture that has ever been found anywhere in history, anywhere on the planet, that does not have some spiritual component to it. Now, people who have uh, embraced atheism will say there is no God, there's no supernatural, there's none of that. This is, everything is physical. But that's not how their culture started out. That's not how they started out. Every time I've ever met somebody who tells me they're an atheist, I always say, well, how did you become an atheist? And they'll tell you a story. They are not that way naturally. <laughs> Can I say it that way? And so you go to some, and it may be some primitive culture somewhere, and it may be all mixed up, and it might be all demonic. It might be all just really just terrible. But there's some yearning that that religion, that spirituality, that concept, that philosophy is trying to fill. Because we have a longing, God has set eternity in their hearts. And by the way, when you think about witnessing and sharing Christ to a generation of people who seemingly have embraced everything but the truth, this is what you need to understand. Somewhere in that person is a yearning for eternity. And it's a yearning that can only be satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. So this is part of us. This is part of what we want. Now, we also understand that we live in a world where we we understand that we feel like there's a time limit on us because our physical bodies are not going to live in this status forever. So we kind of, sometimes we're living frantically trying to get everything done. Uh, Do you have a bucket list? Some of you maybe would say, well, maybe, maybe not, or maybe an informed one. A bucket list, if you're not familiar, it's all the things you want to get done before you kick the bucket. Okay, that's your bucket list. And uh, let me just assure you, this eternality that God has given us, not only because of our, our makeup... But because of the eternal life that He gives us through Jesus Christ, if you don't get everything done on your bucket list, you have plenty of time coming down the road. Okay, so just relax, just relax. If you don't get it all done in this lifetime, you have eternity, without all the limitations that we have in this world. So let me go to verse in 13:8 of Hebrews where we understand there is a difference between our being eternal beings going forward and God himself. Speaking of Jesus, this writer of Hebrews says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a way of saying he's eternal. Always been, is, always will be. You and I, in our being, obviously in the mind of God, that's eternal, but in our being, we have a starting point. We usually tell people our our birth date because that's a more convenient date to ascertain than our conception date. But you understand reality is when, when we were conceived, at that point we became a living being. We will be eternal going forward, wherever that destination may be. But when it comes to the past, we had a starting point. But it's only God himself who fully, completely, in a unique category all by himself is eternal. He always has existed. He always will exist. He exists now and He's eternal. I can't fathom that and neither can you so don't spend a lot of time trying except to say, God, You are greater. You're higher. You are the eternal God. Now, where does this eternal life come from? He says to Timothy, lay hold on eternal life. Get a grip on this. Get this firmly. But we need to define this before we get into how we practice that getting a hold of eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. First John 5:11-12. John the apostle writing this letter, he says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. He says that the reason I'm writing all this about in this book is to show you that we have eternal life, that you've received eternal life. And then he defines it. And this life, and this life is in his son. Period. It's in his son. You want to know where eternal life comes from? It comes from one source, one source alone, one person, one person alone, and that is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And that sounds awful narrow, Pastor. That's because it is. Jesus said narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and there's going to be few who find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. The great news is it may be narrow, but the path is still open, and it's open to you. And if you're believing and trusting in anything other than God's Son, You're on the wide, broad path, and you need to to take a detour to the narrow path in brave faith faith in Christ. Verse 12 says this, And he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's about as simple as you could say it. We are sinners separated by God because of our sin. We're all moral failures, okay? We all get an F on our moral report card. We understand that before a God who's righteous and holy and Never has any moral, never had, never will have any moral flaws. Because of that sin, we're separated from a righteous God. That sin had to be paid for. It was paid for. The only way sin can be paid for, and that's through the shedding of blood. Jesus shed his blood on the cross. He died on the cross to make a, a vicarious or a substitutionary payment for our sins. How does that become effective for us? Through trusting in Jesus by believing in him. And if you're here this morning and you have trusted in him, I have good news for you. He has given you, because of what these verses say, what you see in front of you, you have eternal life. All that awaits for you is, now let's get a grip on that. Let's lay hold on. Let's let's, let's use it in the today. Let's use it in our lives. Let's use it in our struggles. Let's use it right now. But if you've never trusted him as Savior, I'm not meaning to scare you unduly, but I am trying to tell you the importance of knowing Jesus. And simply you need to come to him and stake the destiny of your eternal soul who's going to spend eternity somewhere fully and exclusively on Jesus and what he's done for you. If we could help you take that conversation from the point where I just ended it and help you understand that, we'd love to have a conversation with you. I'm going to stay at the front this morning after the service, lot sometimes in the back, but I'm going to be here in front. If you want to talk to me, I'd love to start that conversation with you. Are the pastors around. You have Christian friends that maybe you came with this morning. They could have that conversation with you well as well don't put that off come to him so also you see here where it says in verse 11 that's still on the screen God has given us eternal life just remember this is a gift this is a gift that comes to us through his grace you believe he gives eternal life now let's go back to first Timothy 6 that's just a little preliminary for you, okay? What's eternal life all about, why we're eternal, the necessity of it. So he's talking to Timothy, who is a believer in Jesus Christ, who's embraced faith in him. He's also one who's telling others about their, that they need to have faith in Christ and instructing other believers. And he uses this phrase, lay hold on eternal life. We talked about eternal life. We understand what life is. But I want to focus on that phrase, lay hold on. In the Greek language, the word to grab something is lombano. This word contains that word, but it also puts a prefix on on the front of it. So the word that's translated here is epilombano. It's like grab, but really grab. Get a good, firm grip on. Don't let go. Let this be your grasp. Cling to it. Don't let go of it. Tenaciously hold on to it. Securely grasp it. An intense grip. Okay? That's what he's saying. The best grip you can get, get it on eternal life. Get a handle on this. Now, we just got back from a, a trip to Florida for vacation. And one of the days, you're not going to be surprised with this, many of you, I wanted to go take some pictures of wildlife. So I looked up on my little screen, where's the best place around here to find it? So there was a, a, an animal preserve not far from there. So we went over there. And uh, I just about ran out my memory card taking pictures of all the things there. What we didn't know... That while we were at this animal preserve, they were going to have a show by an alligator wrangler. I'm not sure this was my wife's favorite part of our vacation, but we watched the show by the alligator wrangler. And alligator wranglers in Florida, if a, an alligator gets in a place where it's not safe, they go in and get the alligator out of there. So they showed us how to do this. So this guy gets his big boots on gets down in the water. There's about 12 alligators in this place. And he gets it by the tail, which is smart, I think. And he drags it up on land. And then he kind of climbs on top of it and grabs its mouth and holds it shut. I know you may never need this advice on how to do this, but I thought I'd just share this with you. And then as part of the show, for $10, you could come down to where he was and sit on the alligator's back and get your picture taken. I thought that probably wouldn't be good stewardship of my money to get my picture taken, so I declined. But uh, one of the things we found out that the way an alligator's jaws are, it's not that difficult to hold it shut because it has very weak muscles to, to open its mouth, but it has extremely tenacious muscles that if it clamps down on something, whatever it clamps down on is in a world of hurt and you can almost never pry the jaws apart. There's things you can do, punch it in the nose and that sort of thing. I don't, uh, you'll have to find your own animal wrangler, to uh, alligator wrangler to go from there. But, but the point is, those jaws, once they set on, a, on its prey, they are locked tight. That's what epilumbano Get an alligator grip. Get a grip on this and do not let go of eternal life. So in the context when he says this twice, he says it in verse 11, Timothy, you lay hold on eternal life. You get a tenacious alligator grip on eternal life. And then later in verse 19, as you're telling these other people, and we'll talk about them in just a moment, you tell them to lay hold on eternal life. You get to have them get a grip on eternal life. So, Let's think about the context. If you, kind of, if you have your Bible open, you can do this easily. But back in verse 3 of this same chapter of chapter 6, says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which comes envy, strife, revilings, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, and he goes on in this, this sort of this diatribe. And basically he's saying, there's a lot in this world, Timothy, that can get you distracted. Everybody's got an idea. Everybody's got a plan. Everybody's got something that they're offering. There's got something that they're selling, something that they're arguing over. he's basically saying, don't get into that stuff. Here's what you do, Timothy. You lay hold on eternal life. Don't be distracted by that. Don't Don't be pulled away by that. And he gives one of the distractions now after verse 12, the first time he uses it. And verse 17, he's talking about people who are wealthy or who desire to be wealthy. Command those, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Sometimes the distraction is not just worldly wisdom out there, of all the stuff that, you know, we live in a world where the, the information just comes at us like a, like a, like a tidal wave. And he says, also, don't get caught up in trying to make this life what life is all about. Do you ever play the game of life where you spend that little thing and you go around and kill a car? The game of life, according to Milton Bradley, is to end up with the most dollars, have the most financial success. That's not how it really works. And that was a thought back in Timothy's day in the first century AD. It's a big thought today. And there's nothing wrong with being, you know, working hard and saving and earning and those sorts of things and excelling. But that's not what life is all about. He says, it's not about accumulation of gifts. It's about the distribution of the gifts God gave you. That's what he's talking about in this text. And we live in a world where you may not feel very affluent, but if you went to some parts of the world, you'd feel embarrassingly rich, no matter how whatever your economic means are. We are an affluent society. We live in an affluence of what, and you may not feel like it, but really that is true. And You have to understand that's not what it's all about. You need to lay hold on eternal life. So the distractions, we can become weary in this world of striving. Because how do you, you know, someone asked a very wealthy man one time back in years past. He'd made a, a fortune, billionaire by today's standards. Someone asked him, how much do you have to have to be happy? His answer was just a little more. You never get there. You never, you, where, where's the end of the, the pursuit? But here's the end of the pursuit if you lay hold on eternal life. If you come back to the reality for perspective when you get weary in this world, it's the fact that you, if you're one of God's children, are going to live forever. Now, I wish I had the voice. I wish I could, in part, I wish I could just download James Earl Jones' voice to say this. Because I want you to be, not just the, the language of it, but I want you to be impressed throughout it. You are going to live forever. No end. That's what gives you perspective on life. What's it matter about the bank account? What's it matter about the stock market? What's it matter about inflation? We have to deal with all that stuff, but don't get weary on it. You're going to live forever. I have physical problems, or I have trouble, and I'm, I'm getting older, or I'm going to die. You're going to live forever get burned out in life, you get down in life, you get depressed in life, you want an injection of some spiritual energy to get you back on a healthy spiritual track, dwell on this. Think about this. Remember this. Lay hold on eternal life. Let that be the thought that flows through your mind. Let that be the passion of your heart. Let that be the the praise that comes out of our voice to Almighty God that we could lay hold on eternal life. When we're confused about what life is all about, if we think it's more about accumulation than distribution, then we need to come back to this reality. Eternity is what matters. That's why he talks about storing up, verse 19, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. You can invest in eternity, not just in time. So how do we do this? How do we come to this point where we lay hold on eternal life? Two places. I'm going to give you two words. It's going to be as simple as I know how to make it. Number one, the word, really surprised, aren't you? <laughs> really shocked by that. This word reminds you again and again and again that you right here, first chapter six, first Timothy, twice. I just read it to you. Lay hold on eternal life. You're going to live forever. Let the forever mentality, the the forever filter of our thinking, come from our constant involvement in the Word of God. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He did set eternity in our hearts. That he's given us the gift of eternal life. If you're a person that's a student of this book, you're going to bump into eternity a lot. And you're going to be reminded that life is not about a few years and then they bury you. Life is about a few years and then you go to heaven to be with God in the presence of the angels. And to sing praises to him for eternity. And to do whatever it is he wants us to do. And you're not going to be bored. You're not going to run out of stuff to do. Okay? The glorious future. So through the word. But secondly, I want to just maybe emphasize this just a little more. The word is wonder. Live with a sense of wonder about yourself and about reality. In the last few days, I've been in the presence of uh, some folks that had a, a new baby, fairly young baby. We saw him for the first time, and the wonder of just seeing this little child and their just their energy and their smile and their just you know all the good stuff. You know, you just think that child is going to exist for eternity somewhere. This is not just flesh and bones and cute smile. This is an eternal being. Don't lose the wonder of it. I was recently with one of our members here at church that uh, is uh, very advanced age, very sickly at this point, and I don't know, but he could well be in the last few days of life. And we just, he could just barely communicate with me, was just there for a brief moment of, of interaction. And what ran through my mind, I couldn't express it to him was simply this to my friend: "I'll see you on the other side." The wonder wonder. The wonder of the reality that we go to live for eternity. Now I think, what, what's, what's on your worry list right now? You got one? I hate to bring it up. I, I hate to like bring it up in your mind like because now you're going to worry about it and not listen anymore. But just kind just of hold it at arm's length. okay? Just there. Whatever you're worried about now, do you think you're going to be worried about it this time next year? Probably not. You're going to be thinking about it ten years from now? Probably not even going to remember. I have a new set of worry, but I do remember about this one. See, just adding a little time into the equation, kind of like whew, that's not that big a deal. Well, how about we infuse eternity into that equation? Do you think when we're sitting around the throne of God, with, with ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands and thousands of angels on this glass sea, as it's called in Revelation, singing, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain," you think you to be worried about whatever you're worried about now? I think not. So the wonder of eternity in all of our things brings us back to some sensibility, some praise, some resilience, some encouragement, some energy. The word, you'll get eternity there. If you live in a life of wonder, you'll get eternity there. And the reality is, eternity, this getting an alligator grip on eternal life, no one can take it away from you. It's eternal. Therefore, it's eternal. And if it's eternal, it doesn't end. If it's eternal, it doesn't evaporate. If eternal, it doesn't expire. There's a fable told. It actually goes back to the time of Paul before. In, in Greek and Greco-Roman mythology, just a myth. Okay, fable, understand. But a mother had a son, and she wanted him to grow up to be a, big, a great warrior. And uh, the fable goes that she took him to the river Styx, which in their mythology was the, this river separated the land of the living from the land of the dead. It was sort of the entrance to Hades. And she dipped him in the river Styx, and because he was dipped in the river Styx, he was invincible. Except she had to hold on to his ankle to get him in there, and he was completely covered except for his ankle. And he was a great great warrior. He's mentioned in the Iliad by Homer and all that. But uh, the, the fable goes that he was shot with an arrow in the ankle. That one place where he was not invincible and he died. That's the reason that this man who was known as Achilles that's the reason that part of your ankle is called the Achilles tendon because of that fable. And this one who was invincible except for one vulnerability and it got him. If you lay hold of eternal life The fable becomes fact, except that there is no weak spot. There is no Achilles' heel. Your body could be destroyed. Someone could take your life away, but your soul is invincible. Your soul is eternal. Your soul is secure. So I simply say to you, those moments when we're trapped in the trap of time, lay hold on eternal life if we're just locked into the clutches of the here and the now, and the here and the now isn't real pleasant, lay hold of eternal life. Don't be stung by the insults and the words of others or even our own soul. Lay hold of eternal life. Don't be bound by the grief and the regrets of life. Lay hold on eternal life. And when you're at a loss to help someone else that's struggling, you help them lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold for Christ. Lay hold for heaven. Lay hold for eternity. Lay hold for each other. Lay hold for yourself. God says it through the mouth of Paul. Lay hold of eternal life.
0: Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.